If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. If you have a Bible, no worries. We have one for you uh, right there in the pew. Now, I know what many of you are thinking of, wow, we just spent 17 weeks in 1 Timothy, and we're starting a series in 2 Timothy. Well, this is a one and done in 2 Timothy. We're going to look at one passage here. And in God's good providence, it continues right where we left off last week. There's a new sermon series coming in two weeks uh, through the book of Exodus, which uh, I'm excited to have for you. So get ready for that. Next week, uh, we have a very special time. David Outing is going to be here preaching for us next week. So that's a little uh, uh, preview of what's to come. Uh, but this morning, we're going to look at God's word in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. But I want to begin with a question. And I know you're smart. You're going to better get this right. Uh, what is the number one commandment, the most frequent commandment that God gives us throughout all of Scripture? Do you know it? What is the commandment that he gives us more than any other commandment in the Bible? More than any other. What well, would be a great one, wouldn't it? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the number one. That's the best commandment, but it's not the most frequent. What's the most frequent Love your neighbor is another great one. It's not it. But you ready for this? Ooh, pastor kid got it right. <laughs> About time. Do not fear. The number one commandment that God is going to tell us is do not fear. Fear not. Drive it away. God commands us to fear not. Hit pause. Isn't that interesting? It's a command. God commands us not to fear. Do not fear because why? Because who God is. I mean, when we think about it, we think about when God says don't fear, well, he's the creator of all things. He has that authority to tell us. Not only that, he's the ruler of all things. And so it's the creator and the ruler. And not only that, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to say to us, by the way, don't fear. I got this. I got this because of who I am. Not because of who you are. But because of who I am, do not fear. Do not fear because of not only who God is, but because of what God has done. It's amazing what God has done for us. That through his son, Jesus Christ, uh, through his life, death, and resurrection, that he's conquered sin. It'll no longer be our identity. Do you know that in Christ Jesus, in his blood and righteousness, we are declared not guilty? Uh, so because of what he has done, he's, he's conquered death. I mean, they put him in that 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 tomb that grave but in three days he got up he's alive he's conquered sin he's conquered death are those not some of the biggest things for us to fear do not fear why because he's united heaven and earth don't fear he's gone to prepare a place for us and he's we're going to make it home don't fear no matter what comes your way god's got a hand on us don't fear for who god is don't fear because of what god has done and don't fear because what God has given to us. Well, what has he given to us? He's given us his word that's going to guide us. It's living and active. It'll never lead us astray. It's an awesome story of God and how he loves us and rescues his family. He's given us his son. He's given us his son to set us free uh, and to save us. And he's given us not just his word and his son, but watch this. This, this triune God of ours, he's given us his spirit. His spirit to always be with us and to comfort us. The Holy Spirit is often called in the Greek the paraclete, called alongside the comforter. That is what God has given to us. 
God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear doesn't come from God. He says he didn't give us a spirit of fear. God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control, we're going to see. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the fact that God has given us his spirit, um, and that's true for all believers. We'll unpack that. God has given us a spirit of power. Hit pause. Some of you may say, well, where was that in my life, right? But he has. He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love, and he's given us a spirit of self-control. So as we turn to God's word, let us be excited to hear the gifts that God has given to us. Again, for those of us who have journeyed together, uh, this continues to be a letter that the Apostle Paul has written to Timothy, a beloved son in the faith. Um, he writes to him these incredible words, but they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they're words for you and they're words for me. Hear the word of God out of 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, remember last week we saw that Timothy and all the Bible, all of Christianity, the, the books of Timothy, begin and end with grace. Here we see it again. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I thank God whom I serve and did as my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I love the fact that Scripture gives us in their names. You know? I mean, you got a heritage here. Here, by here, here are these godly women. Um, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So hear this word. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we're grateful for your word that tells us not to fear. Because, God, we look around the world around us, and there's so much to fear. There's so much to fear in, in this world. Uh, fear of disease, uh, fear of, of, of political uh, powers, uh, fear of, of economic turn. There's so much, there's so much fear that seems to grip all of us and all that is around us. But God, the fear is not just an external fear. It's an internal fear. We all fear. Fear what sin has done to us and how broken we are. We fear that we wonder if we're lovable to you and to others. We fear the consequences of, of the things we've done. We, we fear God, we fear if people know us, will they really love us? Would you really love us if you know us? But God, you do. You not only know us, you love us. And you are God. And you not only gently encourage us not to fear, you actually command us not to fear. So God, we need to hear your voice in that word. We need to understand it. God, would you speak through a broken sinner like me? Would you give us ears to hear your voice commanding us not to fear? 
Would you give us minds to understand your word and, and why we could trust that word and that commandment? Would you give us hearts that would embrace your gospel truth? And would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say that are merely my opinion are wrong. May those things fall away and be forgotten quickly. But the things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his matchless name that we pray. Amen. You know, it's interesting. As you read through the Bible, you're going to hear this, do not fear, throughout Scripture. And one of the times you're going to hear it uh, most clearly is when God is bringing his people. He's, he's taken them out of slavery, out of Egypt. He's done some amazing things with the Red Sea. He sustained them through 40 years in the desert. He provides for them like this, this bread from heaven, this what is it, this manna. He, he gives them water out of a rock. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the desert for 40 years. Their, their clothes don't wear out. Their sandals don't wear out. I mean, God is amazingly providing them for them. And he's got them right on the cusp of the promised land. And they're nervous because there's people who live there. And there's some big people who live there. And, and they're, they're going to go in there and take hold of that which God had promised in them, this promised land. So he says to the leader Joshua, who's emerged following uh, uh, Moses' leadership, and he says, okay, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be strong and courageous. You're going home. I want you to go into the promised land. Do not fear. Joshua 1.9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now listen, right there. Isn't that awesome? He's not just saying, hey, listen, don't be fear. It's not rational. Straighten up, you know. He's saying, don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. I'll always be with you. How amazing is that? Do not be frightened because God goes with us wherever we go. That's, that's who our God is, right? Emmanuel, a God with us. And the God who is us, he's El Shaddai. It's God Almighty, a God who's not only with us. Watch this. A God who's for us. A God who is for us. And a God who is the Prince of Peace goes with us and who is for us. He's always with us. Why do we know that? Because he's given us a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you're his, you have his presence. So do not be afraid. And again, I think that we got to understand a word just quickly of who this God is. God has revealed himself to us. We don't figure out who God is. He reveals himself to us. He reveals himself to us through all of creation that tells his story. But he most clearly reveals himself to us through his word. This is a love story. And as we look at this, we see that there is truly one true living God. And this God exists it's mind-blowing in three persons, that there's a God the Father, and there's a separate God the Son, and there's a separate God the Holy Spirit. Now, these three are one God. They're the same in substance, and they're equal in power and glory, yet they have different roles. And, and, and it's this triune God, and this is what makes Christianity orthodox. There'll be people who ring your doorbell that seem very religious, but they don't believe in a trinity triune God. They don't believe what Scripture will tell tell you who our God is, but we got to realize that there is God the Father. He, he's the one who always initiates. The Father always initiates. Then there's God the Son, and he is the one who accomplishes. He's the one who put on flesh, the eternal word of God, who puts on flesh to come and seek to save the lost, to live the life we failed to live, to die a death we deserve to die, to be resurrected over the grave, who conquers sin and death. That's God the Son. And then there's God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit applies he applies the love of the Father and the work of a Son into our hearts. He gives us the ability to, to embrace 
God by by grace and faith. Opens our eyes to see who Jesus really is. He, He regenerates us and makes us new. That's God, the Holy Spirit, that applies that for us. And it's so important we know who God is as he's revealed himself in the word. Because we, you know, if we don't have this right, everything else is wrong. But God gave us his spirit. This triune God has given us his spirit. Well, you read through the story of the Bible. It's a beautiful promise. In the book of Joel, a little prophet in the, in the Old Testament, he made this incredible promise. He said, you know, God's going to come a day where God is going to pour out his spirit on a flesh. He's going to do it on men and women and children. And, and those who believe, he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And then you get to the book of Acts in the New Testament. That's like the history of the church. And in chapter 2, you have Peter, the fisherman, who now empowered by the Spirit, who realizes that Joel 2 is being fulfilled and this day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit would come and fill the room. Uh, and there were some amazing things that they have done. But they realize that the Holy Spirit has poured, been poured upon them. And then there's the receiving of the Holy Spirit by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, by being saved, that he will give us the Holy Spirit. So that is how we come to know him and how we are, are saved, that God has given us that Holy Spirit. But by the way, let me just make sure there's some confusion in the church, like who has the Holy Spirit and who does not. If you love Jesus as Lord, if you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit. There's no true Christian who does not have the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a Christian. You cannot embrace Christ without that Holy Spirit. So God has given us his, uh, his spirit, but God has also given us a spirit of power. And I love this. It's power to be his children, first and foremost. Power to be his children. I want to read to you what Romans 8 says. Romans 8, 14 through 15 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now listen to that, all of them. All who are led, right, by the Spirit of God, we're all sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit, watch this, of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we are children of God, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. This is saying that the Holy Spirit's come into your life, if you're a Christian, and God has given you the power to cry out to the God who is Abba Father. The power, and that power is this power of adoption, this power of family, that the Holy Spirit makes us his. Paul will say something similar in Galatians 4, 6, and 7. And because you are sons by God's grace through faith, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy. So you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. God has given us this incredible power, and the power begins with the ability for us to have a relationship with the God who is, that we could cry out to him, Abba, Father. But there's more than just that. He's given us the, uh, the power to be his witnesses, power to be his witnesses. In the book of Acts, it tells us after Jesus' resurrection that he spent 40 days on earth talking about the kingdom of heaven. And then he says to his disciples, hey, listen, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and you're gonna, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to empower you. You're going to have this power 
and the Greek word is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, you're going to receive the power of God, this dynamite to be my witnesses. Those are those who will testify about Christ. Interesting, the word witness is where we get the word martyr. You're going to be my martyrs. I love the picture that God gives us in his word of the disciples before and after the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the before picture. It's like Tom Brady when he just showed up at, at, at camp, right? This puny little guy that was like, this guy's going to be the goat of all time. This, is, this, is, this guy doesn't even look like he can do anything. Um, so the, here's a picture of the disciples before they received the power of the Holy Spirit. They argued over who was greatest. When Jesus was, was uh, when they came to the, the garden, they, every single one of them ran. When Peter was questioned, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? He would swear to God he never knew him and deny him three times. These are scary cats. <laughs> these, these, these are some of the weakest men. They spent three years with Jesus. They heard his words. They ate with him. They, they, they hung out with him. These are the people who knew Jesus the most. And when things got rough, not one of them stayed. Every single one of them. Scaredy cats, every single one of them. Now let's look at the after picture. They received the Holy Spirit. They're world changers. They're absolute world changers. They are, they are his witness, empowered by the Spirit. Now all of a sudden they get it. God has illumined their mind to understand that the Christ must have suffered. This was part of the plan all along. And now they're empowered to be his witnesses. Uh, and Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, my martyrs, my testimony, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And they changed the world. Hit pause. It's not just for the apostles. Disciples, it's for us. Do you have the Holy Spirit? God has given you the Holy Spirit to be his witness. Right where you are in your community, right where you are at your job, right where you are in your family. That's that power. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not an innate power in and of yourself. That's flesh. That's not going to be powerful enough. God has given you this power to be a witness for him. Not only that, God has given us, it's amazing, the Spirit, the power to live godly lives. Sometimes we think we come to God by God's grace and we're saved and we're made new. Now we have to work like crazy to make sure we don't mess it up, right? We make sure that we, we get better. But it's interesting what God has said. Through my power of his spirit, he's given us everything we need to live godly lives. Listen to 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. He's given us power to all things that pertain to life. And godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellency. Here's what this is saying. If you want to become more like Christ and grow, he's giving you that power. He's giving you what you need. And it's not in, in, in something in yourself. It's from him. God has given us the power by the gospel that has broken sin's grip and upon us. The penalty of sin. Listen to this. The penalty for our sin has been paid in full. God has the audacity to call sinners like us not guilty in Christ Jesus. The law of God fulfilled was magnified in Christ. The wrath of God absorbed because of the cross of Christ. And now the penalty of sin has been broken. Hit pause. Do you get that? Do you understand in Christ Jesus he's not angry with you? Do you understand in Christ Jesus all your sins have been taken care of? Do you understand that your sins are not going to what's going to define you, his grace and love and mercy is? 
So the penalty of sin has been broken. But more than that, it's the power of sin. For the first time, because of the Holy Spirit in our life, for the first time, we have the ability to try to live godly lives. We have the ability to become more like Christ. That is empowered with us with the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you can try to be moral. You're going to always fail. But even with the Holy Spirit, we know what a struggle it is, isn't it? But let me tell you about the good news of the gospel. There's a day coming, it's not here yet, where even the presence of sin will take away from us. Don't you long for that day of glorification where we don't, we don't even have the ability to sin. Knuckleheads like us, we're going to be home. And, and then even the presence of sin will be removed. So we now have that power. We also have the power to hope. Listen to Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know, in Christ Jesus, hope reigns. How many of you here need hope? How many of you here are pretty desperate? How many of you here feel like your life right now is hopeless or the circumstances around you? I love what this says. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, hope reigns. The power of the Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead. Yes, we are weak, but good news, he's strong. We can do all things through Christ who empowers us. I love muscle cars. My favorite's a 1970 SS Chevelle. It's phenomenal. Um, man, they're beautiful, aren't they not? Katie doesn't have the same love for muscle cars as I do. She thinks that those who love them might need counseling. <laughs> and she's probably right. There's even people here that got some pretty nice-looking 1970 cars. And you always want to see, when you come up to a car that's an old muscle car, you want to say, hey, what's under the hood? And you know, they always know, ah, I, got a, I got a 440 V8. So-and-so CCs, man, this thing does zero to six. You won't believe what's under the hood. You know, this thing can fly. What's under the hood? It may look good on the outside, but tell me what's under the hood. No matter how we look on the outside, as Christians, what's under the hood? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's under the hood, and it's a whole lot more than a 440 or a 350 or a V8 fuel-injected. It's the power of God. Don't fear. What's under your hood? It's God not only gives us a spirit of power, he gives us a spirit of love. Why? Because God is love, right? So the spirit he gives us, the spirit he gives us is a spirit of love. Listen to what 1 John 4, 8 says this. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because why? Well, God is love. Listen to verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God has given for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. If you love, this agape love, the selfish love, is because God is present in your life. And I love what Scripture says. You know what it says? There's no fear in love. There's no fear. 1 John 4, 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfectly perfected in love. Where are you with fear? And so if, you, if you're gripped in fear, you've got to wonder, okay, where's God's love? What, what's blocking? What, what's, what, why, why is fear going to be more predominant than love? I mean, we, we looked at who God is and what he's done, right? And, and, and you have this amazing grace of God. So, so what are we holding on to? 
This is a God who loves. We, have, we should love. His perfect love drives off here. We have a love for God. You are right, Jeremy. The greatest of all commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not the most frequent. It's the greatest. And because of God's grace in Christ Jesus, we now have the ability to love him. Why? Because we don't have to fear him. He's holy God, but his wrath has been appeased on Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear him. He's, he's mighty God, but he's merciful God. And, and we have the privilege of loving him. And oh, is he beautiful. And oh, is his word amazing. We should love our God with our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strengths, all of our being. And we should have a love for our neighbor. The gospel empowers us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to reflect God's love for others. And the more you love your neighbor, the more you love your God. And the more you understand the grace you can pour into another, the more that God's poured his grace into you. Love your neighbor. And for many of us, love yourself. Man, are we so hard on ourselves, aren't we? What is your mirror telling you about yourself? Are you letting the enemy take your past sins and beat you over the head? Are, are, you, are you letting uh, things in your life that you haven't done or maybe even done today? Are you letting those define you? Do you have a love for yourself? Are you self-loathing? Hey, listen, I'm a recovering self-loather. I'm good at it. I really am. I can self-loathe. But that's not the gospel. Let me tell you, that's not, God is not pleased with self-loathing. He's not. It's, he's like, wait a minute. I love you. I love you perfectly. I love you in Christ. So who are you not to love yourself? If God is able to love us, not in an egotistical love that the world celebrates, not in a selfish manner, but love who God has made. Love who Christ has redeemed. Love the broken, frail person that you are. Needy. Do you know that God has created you to be dependent? Do you know that God doesn't want you to stand on your own? He wants you to stand with him. But he doesn't want you to self-loathe. Quit it. Stop it. Tell the enemy to hit the bricks. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for self. Love what God has done. Self-hatred is not from God. Hatred for sin is. So let's let sin drive you to Christ. The Holy Spirit will do a good job convicting you sometimes. If you're convicted, run to Christ and find grace and grace abundantly. And then finally, God has given us a spirit of self-control. Self-control, I love this. Listen, I've given you power, love, and by the way, self-control. Because without it, you'll be a mess. So the Holy Spirit, what he's going to do, he's going to empower you to be his witness and to, to know you're his children, right? And he's going to love. But by the way, he's going to give you this Holy Spirit as a governor of self-control, using God's power to empower others. That's how the Bible always uses power, to empower others for the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. Christ Jesus uh, had came to, uh, with all power, emptied himself. Why? To empower us. What God has given to us, God has given to you to bless others. Hit pause. What has he given you? What personality? What gifts? What abilities? What resources? He's given them to you for his glory and for the good of your neighbor. They're not just all for you. We, we learned in 1 Timothy that, hey, he wants us to enjoy his gifts. He wants us to use those to empower others. And lastly, God's love compelling us to love him and others. We love God and others. Why? Because we have been loved. Christianity is a love story. Do you know it? It's an amazing love story. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. Christianity is a love story. And love stories are joyous, are they not? They're, they're rapturous. I mean, they, they envelop us. I mean, we all long to be in a love story, and in Christ Jesus we are. 
Christianity should not be a drudgery. It should not be a bunch of rules like, ah, crud, I can't do it. It should be an amazing walk with a God who is gracious and merciful. If you believe following Jesus or following God is a burden and that you feel like Christianity is about keeping rules and being afraid, I don't think you really know God. I don't think you know the God of the Bible, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love that sets us free. God did not give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and of self-control. And Jesus himself gave us a meal that demonstrates to us and strengthens us about his love for us to drive out fear. He gives us a meal to remember what Jesus has done for us. And he gives us a meal to look forward that Jesus is coming back for us. In this meal, he says, fear not, for I'm with you and I love you. Amen? Let's pray. And Father God, we're grateful for the good news of the gospel that in Christ Jesus we are forgiven and loved. We thank you, God, that God, that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but you've given us the Holy Spirit, and that's the spirit of power and the spirit of love and of self-control. Oh God, may that spirit be present in all of our lives. Would you forgive us for the fear that we're holding on to? Would you forgive us that we run sometimes to our fear before we run to you? And we think that God, that we could make it on our own, if we just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, that we'd be able to conquer. God, we only conquer in Christ Jesus. The more we live, the more we realize how dependent we are upon you for our very next breath. But God, because we're yours and you love us, fear not should truly be our life's mantra. Fear not, for our God is with us and our God is for us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.